0: Well, hello there, and welcome again to the Disability Law Show. Here is what's going on for the next hour. You will be informed if you're dealing with a disability insurer, been told you can appeal a cutoff, you've been told you're going to be cut off or have been cut off, or just generally headaches uh, from the insurance company dealing with an adjuster or otherwise. This hour of radio is perfect for you. And I will give you the opportunity uh, throughout the show to write this number down to call Martin Willems, who's uh, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP. He's a lawyer we always have on answering all of your questions. To make that phone call, 1 Five five eight two one fifty nine hundred email address we always use every show and you can use it anytime. Of course, help at disabilityrights.ca and for any other questions you can also go to my That's nice because it's searchable, which means if your question or one similar to it has been asked and answered in the past, you can look for it and use that answer, or you can uh, write your own question, and it will get answered. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Got lots of emails coming up here, but we want to uh, roll into our main topic already. Gets uh, Let's just get right to it, Martin. That is four things to know when your disability is as a result of a workplace injury. Number one is this, and I know you'll answer this question, psychological injuries due to workplace harassment and or bullying are also compensable as workplace injuries if approved. A lot of employers and employees alike don't know this. Break it down for me, pal.
1: Thanks, John. Yes, this is something that comes up every now and again. And especially this week, I've spoken to a few people who do not know this and don't understand how it may impact their LTD claims. So, depending on, of course, in which province it is that you are listening from, many provinces, their workplace plans, I suppose if you want to call it that, pursuant to legislation, do provide that psychological injury so it does need to be something that is diagnosed or diagnosable by a psychiatrist or recognized or a registered psychologist i believe under the dsm-5 which is their handbook as a psychiatric illness if it is due to workplace bullying and harassment these are now compensable as well as i understand the legislation to read Now, what does that mean? In terms, uh, we're not WCB lawyers, to be clear about this, but these cases do become more complicated if the disability itself arises as a result of workplace bullying and harassment. Because if you do have a claim like that, there's an expectation that that will be submitted or should be submitted to the WorkSafe plan, the WCB for short. Um, that wasn't always the case. So as I understand it, how these cases are assessed, the conduct has to go beyond the normal stresses and frictions that you might find in a workplace. So if there's somebody at the workplace, be it a manager or a supervisor or a colleague who is bullying and harassing you to the point that you are now having a diagnosed psychiatric illness, you may be able to submit or may be able to receive benefits from WCB depending on the severity of the condition and depending on whether it all is related as a result of the workplace bullying and harassment. Mm. And insurance companies are aware of this and it does impact your LTD claim. If there is a position where the claim itself arose specifically as a result of workplace bullying and harassment. Let's get to
0: number two on that list. That is, if your WorkSafe claim is approved, you must still submit a claim for benefits with your group insurer, and there are timelines that apply. So it's not automatic is what you're saying,
1: right? It is. And, uh, you know, this is important to understand that, remember, you have, if you are employed by an employer, and you have group coverage through that employment, in other words, you have coverage for long term disability benefits. same thing with mental health cases as it would be with a physical injury because many people think the same thing here is if I have a workplace injury and it's physical, like you working in a labor intensive job, you hurt your back by by operating a machine, something may have happened, and it's all due to the workplace. You submit your claim to WCP, and they approve your claim. What many people do not understand is you still have to submit the claim to your long-term disability insurer, because there are timelines that apply in that policy. Remember, each week we say this, the policy is a contract, and that contract has provisions that you have to abide by. And some of those provisions, um, pertain to timelines. So there's something called notice of claim and there is something called proof of claim. Notice of claim is you're submitting notice to the insurance company that there is a disability that has arisen and that there will be a claim that is going to be filed. Proof of claim would be you submitting documents supporting the disability claims. Those documents normally would be three documents. The first one is the attending physician statement completed by the physician. The other one would be an employee statement is a document completed by you outlining when you started to work, your contact details, et cetera, and what your disability is and when you stopped working. And the third one is a document called the plan sponsor statement, which would be a document completed by the employer. I've had many people say to me over time that the employer doesn't want me to submit a claim to the insurance company because it is a workplace injury. That's not correct. It should be submitted because if you don't submit it within time and at some point if the claim is denied, the insurance company will then say to you, well, you should have submitted the claim way back when within the timelines. So the message here is if you have a workplace injury and it causes you to become disabled, yes, submit the claim to WCB but also submit the claim to your group insurer because you do not want to miss the timelines. We see lots of people who are denied because they missed the contractual timelines. So if you do submit a claim outside of the contractual timeline, so it may be that you must submit proof of claim within 90 days from the date that the injury arose or from the date that your short-term disability period may have elapsed, you have a certain time within which you must submit the claim. If you missed that timeline, I would suspect that the reason why you missed it, there would be a good reason for that, right? You may not have known that there was a timeline. You may have struggled to get the doctor to complete forms, whatever it may be. And if the insurance company then denies your claim, for anybody other than just WCB cases, for anybody, if the claim is submitted late and the insurance company denies your claim, please don't accept from that that there is nothing that you can do about it still reach out to us because we have pursued lots of cases where the claims were submitted late and invariably there would always be a good reason why that was done. And we do get success by pursuing a legal claim right. through those instances as well.
0: Again, if you want to reach out about any of these points, if it's confusing to you, we're talking about uh, disability as a result of a workplace injury, reach out to Martin. Give him the phone call, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Point number three, WorkSafe benefits likely will be deducted from your LTD benefit pursuant to the terms of the policy. This is very common, right?
1: It is very common. You know, every week we have questions from people speaking about or asking about CPP disability benefits. But there's also WCB benefits, right? Your policy provides that certain things, certain other sources of income can be deducted from your LTD benefit. The policy governs which bene- which deductions deductions those would be. Mm. WCB is one of them. So if your disability arises because of a workplace injury, solely because of the workplace injury, and WCB is paying you benefits, it is very likely that the long-term disability policy will provide that the insurance company can deduct that payment that you receive from WCB. And quite often, the WCB payment will be more than the LTD payment, and therefore will wipe it out. That's why many people don't submit claims. To WCB, or to the LTD insurer, because they think, well, I'm getting my benefits from WCB and it's paying me my income, so my salary, my my monthly wage, so why should I submit that claim? Because the policy requires you to do so. Yes, it will be deducted, Mm -hmm. but what happens if the claim by WCB is denied, if they stop paying? Where are you going to turn then if you're still unable to return to work? You're going to want to have the long-term disability insurer pick up their part where they now have to start paying benefits. And if you only start submitting the claim then, you're very likely going to be faced with a denial. So submit that claim on time, even if you know that WCB payments are deductible from your long-term disability benefit.
0: And finally, point number four before we uh, rock on into some of your emails. If your long-term disability benefit with the group insurer is denied while you are still receiving WorkSafe benefits, you should still call a lawyer as there are time limits that apply to take action.
1: I know this may be a difficult thing for people to understand, but I'm going to try and break it down as simple as possible. You submitted two claims. The one is to WCB because it is a workplace injury. The other one is to your long-term disability insurer. The long-term disability insurer is not paying you benefits because wcb is paying you benefits the long-term disability insurer still has to adjudicate the claim so they may say to you number one yes we're going to approve the claim or we're going to deny the claim or when it gets to the change of definition you may still be receiving benefits from wcb but then the insurance company denies your claim what happens with that claim that's the big question many people will think well They've denied my claim, but it doesn't really impact me. I'm not too concerned about it because I continue to receive benefits from WCB. But again, what happens if WCB denied the claim? What happens if the insurance company denied the claim from the outset? WCB pays you benefits for two or more years. They then stop. Now you want to go back to that LTD insurer. Then you may have missed what is called the limitation period the timeline within which you can pursue a legal claim. And it's not going to be enough to say, well, I didn't know that I should be doing something about this because WCB continued to pay me. Be very, very careful. If your claim is denied by the long-term disability insurance company while you're receiving WCB benefits, speak to a lawyer. You need to understand what your rights are and what risks there are if you don't do anything about it. Even if you have that denial, you may still want to take steps because you want to protect yourself from not missing that two-year timeline within which you can pursue a legal claim, especially if WCB further down the line denies your claim because now they're not paying you and if you missed the limitation period, you're out of time to pursue a claim against yes. the long-term disability insurer. I've seen cases where People have filed a legal claim against the insurance company while WCB is still paying just to protect themselves from that uh, that scenario where WCB denies and they never filed a legal claim against the insurance company and they're out of time. The the message here again is if you have a WCB claim or a workplace injury, submit the claim to both the WCB entity as well as the long-term disability insurer and if they were to deny your claim, meaning the long-term disability insurer, be in touch with us so we can discuss with you what your options are and that you understand what the timelines are within which you can pursue a legal claim. More coming up, your
0: emails. Here's the phone number to reach out to Martin, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. We're coming right back with more of the Disability Law Show. And back, Disability Law Show is right here, right now. you want to reach out after the show, though, this hour of radio. You can uh, contact Martin and the team at the firm, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. And for uh, any else, uh, well, short, concise memos on LTD, several topics, lots of topics. You'll learn a lot. And it's easy to navigate. It's like Lego, right? LTDFAQ.ca. LTDFAQ.ca. Uh, first email, Martin, short but sweet. I'm not sure there's more of a medical thing, but I'll, I'll throw it at you anyway. It says, Hello, Martin. What if medication is not working for me? Do I have a choice to
1: stop it? You know, that's a good question, and you're right. It is a medical thing where you actually have to have a discussion with your doctor about what should I do now that the medication isn't working. But in the bigger context, it is very relevant under a long-term disability claim. The reason for that is when insurance companies assess whether a person is totally disabled, they're not just looking at that. They're also looking at what is the treatment and is the person following through with recommended treatment, and are they under an appropriate treatment program for their disability so what that means is you submit a claim to the ltd insurer they approve your claim and they continue to adjudicate the claim now they're looking at while they're doing that on an ongoing basis are you seeing the doctor regularly because that is a requirement under your policy and also are you being appropriately treated for the condition so you're taking medication. It's not working anymore. You probably have said that to the doctor. It may be recorded in your clinical records. The insurance company sees that, but nothing has changed. Now you've stopped the medication. You may very well be looking at a denial of your claim if that is the case because the insurance company will either say, number one, you're not taking steps in terms of getting better. You're not taking steps to be under and approved treatment program for this condition something which we deem to be appropriate us being the insurance company or that your doctor has recommended that you do something and you've simply stopped taking medication because of your unilateral decision that you've made i've seen all these scenarios happen so the way to manage this and then there were denials that followed Um, The way to manage this, even if your claim is approved, you need to continue to be under the regular care of a physician, so number one, you're gonna be seeing your doctor regularly. You're going to be reporting to the doctor your ongoing restrictions and limitations. You're going to be discussing with your doctor your treatment. If you've been taking a medication, and this person says it stopped working, or it didn't work, I suppose. Maybe it worked for a period and then stopped, or it never worked. You need to say that to the doctor. You need to have an open communication with the doctor about what is working, what isn't working, and what other things should be done. So if the medication isn't working, don't simply stop it. Have a discussion with the doctor about it. Have the doctor tell you what the doctor thinks. Is it a good thing to maybe try a little bit longer, or is it a good thing to try a new medication or a different type of treatment? When we have mental health disability claims, this is something that comes up all the time you have people who do not want to take medications from the outset you have people who have tried medications with significant side effects or you have people taking a medication at a specific dosage the dosage the medication doesn't work anymore and the doctor then may decide to increase the dosage insurance companies always look at the clinical records they try to see What is the person doing in order to get better and in order to be properly treated? If you unilaterally decide not to take those medications, you're going to have a problem down the line with the insurance company. As I said with the mental health cases, people quite often struggle with antidepressants. Look, these medications can create significant side effects. Sure. Same same with other type of medications where... It would be something like Lyric or Gabapentin or whatever it may be, nerve medication, right, where it may nerve pain medication, where it may create fatigue or some people find that they have brain fog. Um, Other antidepressants I've heard from people where they would say to me, it may me suicidal or even homicidal at times. Obviously, that's not where you want to be. So have a discussion with the doctor. See if something new should be tried. See if you should be referred to a psychiatrist, where a psychiatrist can weigh in. Or not, if it's not a mental health case, should you not be seen by a different type of specialist as well? So have that communication. Show that you're being proactive in order to treat the condition. But don't simply stop and not have a discussion with your doctor because you're opening up yourself for a denial.
0: Let's roll down to uh, another one, brother. Here we go. It says, uh, Martin, I've been on LTD for six years. I had stage 3 breast cancer and now I suffer from depression and anxiety. I also suffer from neuropathy in my fingers and toes, and my legs uh, hurt since chemo. I've had over eight people pass away in less than two years, including my father and his sister. Both my family doctor and my psychiatrist said it was good for me to get away from it, and take a trip. I want to know if this will affect my LTD, and do I have to tell them I'm going away? It doesn't say anything about vacations in the uh, handbook. So what do you think?
1: Okay. This is a good question, and clearly this person is aware that in some policies, some group policies, actually many of them, there are restrictions with respect to travel. Some of these restrictions may be that the insurance company will say you need to, benefits will terminate if you are out of the country for more than 30 days without their approval or a a different specified period of time, or that you cannot travel at all. I actually spoke to somebody earlier this week where the policy provided that they cannot travel, which is quite onerous, right? So in this situation, I mean, the insurance companies also have to be reasonable, right? You cannot simply say to somebody, no, we're not going to allow you to travel. It's always good, like with the previous question, to have open communication. So let's look what happened here. This person has been on LTD for six years, has had cancer, has depression, anxiety and all types of other issues as a result of the treatment and very sadly has had eight people pass away, people who were very close to her, over the past two years and both doctors, the psychiatrist and the family doctor have suggested that it is a good thing to get away and to take a trip. The insurance company's booklet is quiet about travel. Is there a concern about the travel itself? I think getting the doctors to put it in writing, to say, look, we think it is a good idea to travel, and why Why wouldn't it be to go visit family considering what has happened? That may be a good idea, right? So have the doctors put that in writing. I think it's not a bad idea to either be to also be upfront with the insurance companies say that i i'm this is what has been recommended. I'm going to do this um will they use that against you. I have seen cases where insurance companies have used the fact that a person travels, especially with mental health cases um to say that well, we don't think that your capacity is as limited as you say it is because of your ability to travel, where the person was recommended to travel by their treatment team and where they struggled with the, the travel itself. So it really comes down to having an open communication with the doctors, having the doctors communicated and writing as well. And if the insurance company were to deny the claim based on that, I would be surprised if that happened, but I've seen it happen before. If they did, please be in touch with us so we can discuss with you what your options are with respect to that because what happens here really is you're following through, through with treatment advice. The doctors are recommending that you do this because of your mental health. Getting away, like changes, holidays is a good thing, right? It's a good thing to be able to get out of the status quo and to get away and possibly see family as well. So if they were to deny the claim, by all means be in touch with us. You also may want to get a copy of the policy itself Ask the insurance company or the employer, and just make sure that it doesn't specifically restrict travel. If it does, then maybe reach out to the insurance company and tell them this is what has been recommended, and this is what I'm planning to do. Yeah,
0: because I mean, if it's if it's especially if your doctor is recommending it, saying you know you need this as part of your therapy to to you know get out of dodge and and, and do whatever, sit on a beach or see relatives or just a change of scene, it's going to be pretty hard for the insurance company to say uh, no.
1: It is going to be odd for them to say that, but you know. I- not to say that they will, but it has happened, yeah. and if it does happen, then you want to speak about, well, the insurance company, remember, these are peace-of-mind contracts. The insurance company has a duty to reasonably assess cases and not to put up roadblocks, because if they say to you, no, you're not allowed to travel, even though the doctor is recommending it as part of your treatment, they are actually impeding your treatment by saying no. So... I don't think that would be the case, but if it were to be, by all means, you have to reach out to us. Another thing that does happen is if you do speak about travel, speak about this again in a bigger context. If you do speak about travel, saying that you cannot, you've got a physical injury, you cannot sit for long periods of time, Mm -hmm. you're in chronic pain, you're struggling. Then you get on a plane and you travel for 10 hours to go visit somebody in Europe. The insurance companies do look at that. And they try to figure, they're going to be looking at it with a much more closer scrutiny thinking well if you say you cannot do these things yet you get on a plane and you travel for 10 hours we're wondering whether your restrictions and limitations are actually as severe as you say they are that may be a completely different scenario then because the person may say oh I took significant medications increased my medications I struggled when I got to the other side for a week but I needed to get away because sometimes people have family emergencies or it may also have been recommended that they get away to a specific place. It really depends on the context, but if there is just simply you traveling or traveling for extended, not periods of time, but if you've got three or four trips lined up, these are things that they will be looking at much more closely in the context of the disability and the restrictions and limitations that you have reported to them
0: got another quick email in here before we uh before we break brother roll down says uh, martin i truly believe i will not be successful returning to work in my current position and work area can i be forced to work in a different position with a substantially lower pay rate
1: it really depends on where you are in the timeline of the policy if it is that you're still within the own occupation period, you should not be forced to return to work in a different occupation. You you should accept reasonable accommodations by the employer, but the insurance company should be continuing to pay your benefits even under a program. If you're in the any occupation phase of the policy, the question is, are you able to perform the duties of another occupation based on your transferable skills, that would pay you roughly the same as the LTD benefit amount. If that is the case, then you may want to look at that. But nobody should be forcing you to return to work against your doctor's advice. If it is in the any occupation phase and you are able to work in another occupation, Earning somewhat the same as your LTD benefit amount, that does change the scenario. So it depends on where you are at. But do not feel forced that you have to do things in terms of a return to work to a different occupation that you're not comfortable to do or that you don't think you can do, especially if it is that your doctor is recommending that you do not return to work. If that is the case, reach out to us and we can guide you through the process as to how to manage and navigate that um, process with the insurance company.
0: We'll take a quick break and to reach out to Martin as he just mentioned, it's simply You've got the email address, but for you, if you're listening uh, on the show today, it's help at disabilityrights.ca and that phone number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. More of the disability law shows coming up after the break. Stick around, we'll get to it. Yes, it is the disability law show. Got some more time here, that means you have time for more of your email. Appreciate it ahead of time if it gets on air. Uh, good, we could help. If not, keep sending them. And uh, Martin, of course, and his team answer them outside the hour of the show but we get to as many as we can over the course of the show as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number to reach Martin and his team anytime, one 821 5900 A simple chat and a question will cost you nothing, so go ahead and use that as you, uh, as you see fit. Okay, next email says this. Uh, Martin, I've been on short-term disability, STD, but my disability ran out, and I applied for long-term but was denied due to the shortness of my employment. I was never informed by HR that there is a qualifying period before I'm entitled to long-term disability. Do I have a case? As I'm still off and unknown when I can return, my issue of disability is psychological. What do you think?
1: Okay. So there are two ways of looking at this email. The first one is this person has short-term disability. I'm not sure if they're meaning that they went off for a period of time and got government benefits or whether they actually have short-term disability coverage through their employment. If they have short-term, I would be surprised if they don't have long-term, but that does sometimes happen. You have to look at what is your benefit package through your employment. Some people will have short-term and long-term. Others will only have short-term. That's much on the rare occasion. Or it may be that you have only long-term but not short-term. The reason why I speak about this is because the person says it was denied due to the shortness of their employment. You may want to reach out to one of our employment lawyers to just have a look at what your um, your benefit package was. The fact that you're unable to return to work, number one, we need to know if there is LTD coverage. Do you have long-term disability coverage available to you? If you don't, then unfortunately there won't be a claim to pursue because if you don't have coverage, then you cannot submit the claim. You may want to look at other sources of income that may be available to you for example cpp disability benefits or other benefits that may be available through um, in your province if this is an employment component again we're very fortunate at our firm because we've got a whole team of employment lawyers who also can um, review cases from the employment uh, aspect Um, There often is an overlap, right? So sometimes we have people contacting us by saying, I have a disability claim, the insurance company has denied me, and the employer is now also terminating me. So you have two potential claims, one against the insurance company and one against the employer, potentially for wrongful dismissal. So if that is the case, please reach out to us and our intake team can direct you to an employment lawyer, as well as a
0: disability lawyer. Yeah, just a reminder, as Martin just said, both uh, both angles are covered at the firm and they often uh, piggyback each other because the, uh, the issues kind of go across the aisle to either or, so you're in good hands either way for both the employment and disability aspect of it uh, as well. Martin, I'm currently receiving payments uh, monthly for LTD. They say they will only approve until May of this year, 2024. I must attempt to return to work with duty to accommodate. I have chronic pain, inability to walk or stand for longer than 30 to 45 minutes on a good day. Often I will require a walker or be unable to function day-to-day activities. I have depression, anxiety about returning to work due to inability to do the job as a registered nurse. The insurer says I no longer fit their definition of disabled. I'm unsure how trying to go back to work, even if I know I won't be capable of performing my duties as a nurse. Can they make me go back and can they cut off payments after May?
1: Okay, so this is a difficult thing for this person to navigate. Benefits are approved until May 2024. Then it also says because after that, this person will no longer fit the definition of disability. So what that says to me is come May of 2024, May of this year, the definition is going to change. So it's going to go from are you able to work as a registered nurse to are you able to work in any other occupation based on your transferable skill sets that would pay you roughly the same as your long-term disability benefit unless there, are different, unless there is a different percentage detailed in the any occupation phase definition. But look what's happening here. Chronic inability to walk or stand for longer than 30 to 45 minutes, There are days that this person needs to use a walker because of chronic pain, cannot perform the duties of their uh, daily activities. There's depression and anxiety as well. So clearly there's a lot happening. There's chronic pain that may be affecting their focus, their concentration, etc. There's depression and anxiety which may have the same effect. There may be the fact that their sleep is interrupted because of chronic pain which may lead to fatigue issues, a lack of energy, lack of motivation. So there's a lot going on here so can the insurance company force you to go back to work again like the previous question nobody can force you to do anything but can they cut you off they often do so what do we recommend in these situations if there is a denial that's coming and it sounds like they've already made this denial you want to be in touch with a disability lawyer so contact our firm we've got a team of disability lawyers, we practice throughout Canada other than in Quebec and the territories. And we do offer free consultations where we will review your denial letter. We will review the medical reports that you have available. We can look at the policy, discuss with you what your personal circumstances are and explain to you what options are available to you. On top of that, considering that there's a denial and the definition changes in May, you want to have a discussion with your doctor As with every claim, it is very important to be in a regular contact with your doctor and describe to your doctor what your restrictions are, what your limitations are. I hope that what you've communicated to the doctor, the difficulties that you have with the standing, the physical activities, days that you need to use a walker, and then have the doctor support you if the doctor agrees, and I would be surprised if the doctor didn't in this instance, that because of these restrictions and limitations that you have, that you are unable to perform the duties of any other occupation. So have the doctor look at that denial letter and you sit down with the doctor and discuss why it is that the doctor supports, why it is that you remain unable to work and have the doctor write a letter in support of that and hopefully that will help you get your benefits reinstated. But good thing to do, best thing to do, be in touch with us so we can discuss what your options are because we represent clients through legal claims. I mean, we do so. All communications go through us. You don't have to deal with the insurance company any longer. And you focus on your treatment, seeing the doctor regularly. Where our focus is to get you the best compensation available through the process of a legal claim.
0: Hope that answer helped. I'm sure it did. If not, you know, you can always reach out to, uh, to Martin by phone, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 And for anyone else, the email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Got a few minutes to go. We'll try to get through as many emails as we can before the, the end of this show. So stick around for that as we continue more of the Disability Law Show. Alright, welcome back. Disability Law Show. Let's see uh, how many emails we can get through in the remaining minutes here. Martin, to reach out to Martin with that email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number 1-855-821-5900. Uh, Guys, my LTD claim was denied approximately two years ago and I returned to work and now I'm on disability again for the same reason within the last three months. Is there any legal recourse for that decision? Reason for denied claim is that they thought I could work at another job uh, and was not totally disabled. Martin, what do you think, pal?
1: This is a good question. So, and I'm concerned about the timeline. So first thing that I see is that the person was denied approximately two years ago remember there is something called a limitation period the limitation period is the timeline within which you can pursue a legal claim within you must pursue a legal claim if your claim remains denied and you're unable to return to work and not getting benefits if the person was denied approximately two years ago we're very close to that two-year timeline so you need to be in touch with us immediately so we can look at when was the claim denied And is uh, is it still within the two years? Just on that point, even if your claim were denied two years ago, still be in touch with us so we can review the claim because there are certain instances where you still can pursue a legal claim even if it is beyond the two-year timeline. That's not a general statement there are specific instances where we can still do it so we would want to review it it's possible and even probable that you would not be able to pursue one but it is possible and you want to know a hundred percent what your options are if you're listening and your claim was denied more than two years ago going back to this question it was approximately two years ago Returned to work and now on disability again so first question i would have is do you have coverage through your new employer, is a LTD coverage there? You may have a denial based on the pre-existing condition, but we won't know unless you've submitted a claim. So if you do have coverage through your new employment, you may want to pursue that as well. Then the other issue may be that you try to go back to work, the claim was denied two years ago, you went off work within the last three months. Well, To what capacity did this person go back to work? In what capacity? Were they able only to work two hours or three hours a day? Were they missing uh, lots of time from work due to the same disability and then found that they could not maintain that? Then I would say it's still as a result of the previous claim and by trying to do these things, by trying to get back to work, but struggling, showing that by doing this, they're physically demonstrating that they are in fact unable to return to work even in another occupation. But I would want to have a lot more facts on this. So it is crucial that we have a discussion about these things. First thing is the limitation period. Secondly, to what capacity that that you did return to work. And thirdly, do you have coverage under your new employment? And if so, very likely we'll have to submit a new claim.
0: All right, let's get to one more email. Uh, Martin, I have a uh, critical illness policy. I've been diagnosed with MS, but my claim has been denied as the insurer says I had an indication of MS before I got the policy. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. I was never diagnosed with MS before I got that policy. I've had it for 10 years and was only diagnosed in November 2023. They say because I visited the doctor with a complaint of blurry vision in the in the 90 days before I had the policy, I'm excluded. I am confused and wondering whether this is correct.
1: Well, so this sounds like an insurance company grasping at (laughs) straws. These, uh, Really, I mean, what they've done here is they've looked at when the person applied for the coverage. Because these critical illness policies, they're very particular. They read in a specific way. And in order to have critical illness coverage, they're going to be looking at the timeline that um, before you applied for coverage – Was there an indication of the condition for which you are now claiming, even Mm -hmm. if it is 10 years later? So MS, multiple sclerosis. You may have indication of something. It may go away, and then the years later it may pop up again. Or it may be that you're disabled right from the get-go because it's diagnosed within weeks because it came on out of the blue. Is blurry vision an indication of potential MS? Could be. But just because it could be doesn't mean that it is. So the insurance company, if they want to exclude a claim based on exclusionary language within a policy, our position is that they have the duty, like you have a duty to claim benefits and to prove that you cannot work. If an insurance company wants to deny a claim based on exclusions in their policy, they have the duty to prove that. And by simply saying that somebody had blue revision 10 years ago, that that was an indication, more likely than not, of the ultimate diagnosis, I think, is grasping at straws. Um, Obviously, we would want to have a look at the actual records, have a look at what was disclosed, and read the policy. But I feel comfortable to say that I think that there is an arguable claim to be made here, if not to say that this is a claim that should be paid. But again, we would want to have a look at the policy itself, So please reach out to us. We'll give you that free consultation. And then once we've looked at it, you've had a discussion with us, we will tell you what your options are because you will feel much more comfortable because knowledge is power. Once you know what you can do, you can make the decision which makes more sense to you.
0: Let's get this one in under uh, under two minutes. I know you can do it, pal. Says, Martin, I'm currently on LTD since March 2022, and I've received a letter from my insurance stating that my employer has stopped paying for my benefits as of December of 2023, December 31st, right at the end of the year, but have not heard from the employer about this. Are they able to do
1: that? Well, it's an interesting question. Is it the insurance company that was paying the benefits or is it the employer? Right. So what I think we should do here is Again, reach out to us so we can discuss this with you in further detail. Um, Once there is a denial, remember there are certain timelines, whether it's going to be an appeal or whether it's going to be a a legal claim. And you want to know what those timelines are and what your options are. This was done in December of 31st of 2023. We're now now in February. So it is a long time that has gone by. Um, You should be in touch, I think, with the the insurance company as well, as well as the employer But before you do that, contact us so we can have a look at what your options are and discuss them with you so you can make an informed decision.
0: And with that, we are just about ready to, uh, to wrap this sucker up. You uh, may have heard some things that strike familiar with you or possibly a family member or a colleague of yours. You can send them over to Martin and the team at least to have a, a quick discussion about uh, if there's any options or what options are available to you. A couple different ways to do that. The email, which we rely on, uh, of course, every show, is help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number to reach out directly to Martin and his team, one eight five five eight Two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Then finally, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's free. It's anonymous. It's searchable. So your question may have been asked previously. That'll save you a few minutes if you just read it. If not, type it and leave it there. It will get answered. Mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show.